initially the job that I applied for was assistant controller position. This is Michelle. Michelle's in her mid-20s. She is ambitious and eager to lay out a successful career. She landed an accounting position at a nonprofit after getting a four-year business degree and has been running a small tax and accounting practice on the side for the past five years. After becoming bored at the nonprofit, she started job searching and found a posting at a successful family-owned construction management company. So I applied for the assistant controller position, and two days later, I got a phone call to come in for an interview. So, of course, I was super excited. So I went in for the interview. I should have known that at that exact moment that it was going to be a complete and total disaster, but I ignored the signs because I was eager. Michelle was eager for an opportunity, an opportunity to showcase her business acumen and help a small company grow and thrive. She wanted to be part of a team where she could contribute. The construction management company seemed like just the place for her to hit the ground running, but what would quickly unfold was a situation Michelle never saw coming. My name's Carly, and this is Toxic Workplace, a podcast that gives a platform for people to share their stories of working in a destructive environment. I spent the first seven years of my career within a toxic workplace, and let me tell you, it kills your spirit. This podcast is here to expose what goes wrong in these companies, and hopefully, it'll spark a change to make it right. In this episode, we talk to two coworkers, Michelle and Jen. They'll take us through their experience working in a company run by a narcissistic owner with a serious control problem. The phone conversation was very short. They didn't really ask much of anything, but when I initially applied, I applied for the assistant controller position, but in the phone conversation, they'd mentioned something else. They'd mentioned a billing specialist which is what I currently do now. And I thought that maybe it was just a lack of communication. Someone just didn't know what really was going on. (laughs) I was just like, okay, whatever. They don't know what they're talking about. Obviously they know what I applied for. So I go in for the interview and the initial interview was with the HR department and the controller. Everyone seems very nice. First thing I noticed when I walked in was that all the doors were open. I was super excited. I love businesses and offices where the doors are open. That implicates to me that people are open to conversation. Um, We spent majority of of the first interview talking about me. And that's perfectly fine. I have no problem talking about me and what I do. The problem is they never really asked about professionally what I did. So this is where things really took a turn. And again, I should have known better and did not. So I sit through the interview with the HR person and the controller. And then after that, the exact same day, I had an interview with what I assumed was pointless. Honestly, I met with the vice president and the a project manager. And that interview consisted of, am I competent enough to use Microsoft Office. Oh, it's very insulting. 
Michelle emphasizes that the interviewing managers weren't really interested in what her resume had to say or what her professional goals were. If they had read her resume, they would have seen that she had experience with much more than a basic Microsoft Office. They went on to ask her if she'd be able to type so many words per minute. Although she was insulted, she summed it up to her nails being long and manicured. She saw potential and opportunity in this company, so she kept giving them the benefit of a doubt. I think I focused a lot on the fact that it was small and family owned. I felt it was a very personal environment, so there couldn't be anything less than room for growth. I think I was excited, so I just kind of ignored everything. My mistake, such a fool. (sighs) So I go back to their, I, I leave, I wait about three weeks, I call them, I say, hey, you know, just following up. What's going on? I just need to know if if we're moving forward with the interview process. What's the deal? Oh, yeah, we would love for you to meet with our president. Okay, fine. I'll meet with the president. Meet with the president. Go in. He's like, you know, this is what I'm willing to offer you. And it was kind of like a slap in the face. Not going to lie. He's like, but in one year, I'll give you a raise. I said, okay. In my head, I'm thinking most jobs, you go in at a, at a starting rate and at about 30 days or 90 days, whatever their company policy is, which is typically 30 or 90 days for us to figure out if you like me and if I like you, <laughs> your pay is increased. But you tell me an entire year. OK, whatever. I'm fine. I'll deal. So that happens. They tell me. We'll send you an offer, a formal offer for you to sign. I say, okay. I go back to my regular nonprofit job, continue doing what I'm doing. Another two weeks passes by and I send another email. I'm like, hey, just wanted to follow up. I was told I was going to receive an offer and I still haven't. Two seconds later, after I send the interview, I get a phone call and they they say to me, the position has been filled and, um, We want to thank you, blah, 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 blah. You know, that whole turn away the person. I said, okay. I was perfectly fine with that. I'm a person who recognizes what is meant for me and what is not. This just happened to not be for me. I say to myself, you know, maybe you just, you should just focus on growing your personal business. So that was my thought. And I got over it that day. The next morning I walk into my nonprofit job, sit at my desk. At 9.45, I get a phone call. It's from the controller. The controller says to me, we would love for you to start on this date. I'm sending you a proposal right now. It was so nice meeting with you. Everyone loves you. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you know who this is? (laughs) I said, because I was just told yesterday evening from your HR person that the position was filled and you no longer were interested in me. Oh, well, let me call you back. Okay. I'm confused, but okay. So she calls me back less than an hour later and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, that was just miscommunication, so on and so forth. I'm like, okay, all right. The proposal comes over the same day. 
it displayed the terms that I'd spoken with the president about. So I'm like, okay, obviously someone is communicating something, so we're good to go. I'm going to sign it, send it back, and it'll be perfectly fine. They're just small and don't understand what they're doing. So that's a problem for you to fix. You can get in there and help them. Yes. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Despite the multiple red flags, Michelle maintained a positive outlook and saw the gaps in the interview process as opportunities to help show the company where they could improve. Michelle wasn't the only one to overlook the warning signs in the beginning. Her soon-to-be coworker, Jen, was interviewing around the same time and says she had on rose-colored glasses. Yeah, there were... Plenty of signs not to take this position, but I was so desperate to jump ship and take the next opportunity that looking back, I took the very first opportunity that was offered to me. I look at everything in life as a sign, which is a strength and a weakness for sure. And I'd rather have the point of view of rose colored glasses. This is Jen. Jen is also in her mid twenties. She also graduated with a four year business degree She is also dedicated to paving the way for a successful career. She spent her first two years out of college in a public accounting firm, which she says made her miserable and was desperate to jump ship. She heard about the assistant controller position through a family friend and was excited at the opportunity. This job I found out through a family member. A good friend of theirs wife is the controller there and she was planning on retiring at the time and so they were looking for this accountant however i misunderstood what the situation was they had a tragic event happen within the office and so i thought i was going in there kind of like to replace this person that something happened to them which was not the case i was interviewed i was brought in by Um, this family friend and the office manager and the interview was pretty standard. They asked me a lot of questions about um, my experience and then just a few things about my personal life. The first time I went to the office, I didn't meet anyone but Sarah and Kim and it seemed like they were trying to race me to the door, which made me think that they didn't want anyone else to get in the way. I'm going to quickly interject here to go over a couple of names for clarification because Jen will use them a lot. The family friend she is referring to is the controller, and her name is Sarah. The office manager also acts as HR, and her name is Kim. Sarah and Kim were also the hiring managers that initially met with Michelle. So I went in for the interview, and it was a Thursday, and I remember following up on a Monday, and I remember not feeling overly excited. So for me to wait a business day plus a weekend to say thank you for an interview is very out of character. So I remember emailing them on Monday and I said, thank you so much. You know, what are the next steps? And, you know, they had told me they would reach out to me and I was like, I haven't heard from them yet. So that's when I went to go thank them. And they said they'd like to bring me back for an interview. But I feel like now looking back, I don't know if I would have heard from them had I not followed up. Because if someone wants to bring you back, they tell you like, you know, they email you that afternoon. So I heard back from them and then I got scheduled to have an interview with the owner just a couple days later. And I was thinking, wow, how exciting that I'm getting this full access to the owner of this company. I mean, this is so amazing. So I go in for my second interview and the controller leads me to the room and she says that John will be right with you. So I'm sitting there in this conference room 
it's surrounded in windows so everyone can see you sitting in there and I'm sitting in there probably for 10 minutes waiting for the owner to come out and interview me he approached from the side where I could definitely see him coming into the office because there's the conference room is in the center of the building so you can walk around it and he came from the side where I could see him coming in he was looking so suave and so charming and I remember thinking like whoo he is one good looking guy and has like this swagger about him that it's just like this guy has it going on. There's no doubt. But I definitely thought it was weird that it's like he made it a point to come so I could see him come to me. And it was a quick interview and he eventually was like, you know, what do you where do you see yourself in five years? Which is everyone knows is the worst interview question to get. And now knowing him, he probably did or had like someone else go and do it and say send me five interview questions. So we had that conversation and he made the offer on the spot. And he asked me what I made and I, with lack of experience, was honest <laughs> instead of inflating it. But he worked me a deal that in two years time, I'll make what I asked for. And he made it very clear during that interview that he said, you know, we don't want to hire anyone that's going to skip out in a couple of years. Already making me feel guilty. I'm easily, I, I assume that role easily for people. A quick note here, the owner slash president, whose name is John, if you didn't catch that, did the same thing to Michelle. She told him her desired salary, and he offered her a lower amount with the promise to pay more at a future date. Both Michelle and Jen told me that what they asked for was reasonable. Jen said she even Googled it before the interview, and the salary that she asked for was the standard amount for that area. Yeah, and I actually took a pay cut to be there, which now, hindsight, idiot, what are you doing? I was so desperate to get out of my other job that I was like, sure, I'll take it. And I even had a phone call with the controller where she broke it down by the hour and how I was making more there with the time that I worked versus the time I worked in a public accounting setting. Definitely cheap trying to get you for the like BOGO JCPenney sale for their employees because it's they are that cheap. After the interview, they said they would be in contact with an offer letter. It took them about four days to get it. I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, when, I gonna, when am I going to put my two weeks in? You know, I want to tell people they had convinced me of this amazing opportunity that I would start with my salary that I asked for and then over two years make a $17,000 increase, which at the time being 24 or 25, I'm like, oh, absolutely. That sounds amazing. 17,000 in two years. Why not? I ended up taking it and signed it and... The rest is history. Jen signed her offer within about a week of Michelle. Michelle signed on as a billing specialist, even though she applied to a posting for an assistant controller. She thought the discrepancy was possibly a miscommunication to a third-party hiring group. Jen signed on thinking she was going to be trained to take over the reins of the controller, who was going to be retiring soon. Both were deceived. Within the first few weeks, both women realized what they signed up for was completely out of line with their hopes and expectations. It was great at first. It was great. Everyone was nice. They were trying to help. But again, I walked into the position that I did not apply for. 
the Friday of my second week there, I was leaving and they said to me, hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know that on Monday, the new assistant controller will be here. This will be her office. And I said, okay. All right, then. I'm confused. I'm so confused. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on at this point. I knew immediately that I should have walked out the door on Friday and never returned. <laughs> Monday, the new assistant controller comes in. It's great. It's perfectly fine. She's phenomenal. And there's another lady who worked there. And she happened to be doing both of the positions that myself and the new assistant controller would be doing. So they hired two people to take on the job that one person had been doing because it was too much for one person. The work was nothing like what I expected at all. Because like I said, I thought I was walking into an assistant controller position, which shortly turned into a billing specialist position. Nonetheless, the person who was doing the billing sat with the assistant controller her last couple days there with the company. So I'd never sat with her. I was never trained on absolutely anything, literally nothing. The person handling the billing sat with the assistant controller and taught her how to do the billing. I'm organizing. I'm doing receptionist work. <laughs> it's unreal to me. It's just, it's, it was just crazy. Michelle was completely duped by this company. I feel insulted for her. I can't imagine the confusion and frustration she felt when she found out the job she initially applied to really did exist and the company never even discussed it in her interview. Had she known the assistant controller job was actually open and this company was bringing someone else into that position, she wouldn't have accepted the offer. Luckily, her and Jen would become fast friends. They both said that they were a force within the company. They stuck together, which, as you'll soon see, was entirely necessary to feel sane in what Jen refers to as the Twilight Zone. So it's lonely. I remember thinking, no one talks to each other. No one interacts. No one has come up to me as a new staff no one has introduced themselves. And when I do talk to people, it's a quick hello. How are you? And then they're gone. And I'm like, this is weird. And I was thinking, no one cares about my experience. And I'll be honest, you know, my ego was inflated a little bit because everyone fought so hard to keep me at my other firm. And you know, I'm the only accountant coming into this setting, you know, assistant controller. Wow. So amazing. And so when no one asked me about even just like, so what was your old job and not even having to know what public accounting was, I'm like, no one cares. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's the first week people are busy. Then the second week comes and I'm like, this is weird. Third week rolls around and I'm like, okay, literally no one talks to one another. Fourth week. I'm like, this is not good. Not good. And I remember asking in my first interview, you know, how's the culture? And Kim and Sarah paused, visibly hesitated, and were like, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty okay. 
I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> bad news. And then I was thinking assistant controller on my resume. I mean, at 25, I'm taking this position. What an amazing deal. But the part that got me the most was that it was a small family run business. Multiple family members worked there. I looked on their social media and it looked like they had some fun together, some team building activities. And I'm like, cool. So then I'm reading through the employee manual my first day and I see that their mission statement at the end of it is like, you know, at the end of the day, thanks be to God for our talent and the blessings he provides to us to be able to do what we do and serve the community and others. And I was like, wow, we got some Christians here. (laughs) I'm sold. And it was like, that was all I could tell people my first week. Okay, this is where things start to become more clear to me. And as you listen, you'll see why. The company works hard to maintain this facade of a successful family-owned business that has Christian values and really cares about their employees. I went on their social media page to take a look at the pictures they post. And just as Jen described, they have pictures posted of happy, smiling employees, a group of employees out to lunch with the hashtag company culture, a group of beaming women with the hashtag Happy International Women's Day. I see a picture of a ribbon cutting with this suave, good-looking president dressed up in a fitted suit, flashing a handsome smile. They look like the kind of people you'd want to work with. During Christmas time, we were meeting with the controller. It was me, the controller, and the owner. We were together. We were talking about financials with the CPA, and out of nowhere... Totally unprovoked and unrelated to the conversation. He's like, you know, guys, um, any of you listening to this radio channel this morning? And we're all like, you know, no, not at all. And he's like, well, I should let you guys know I donated 50,000 pairs of shoes to this organization. And it was a $100,000 donation in my name from the company. And everyone was like, John, that is so amazing. I mean, wow, what a nice thing. And he's like, yeah, you know, I I go to church and figured I could help out these people. And, you know, what a great thing we were able to do for the community. What a great thing. Just like on and on and on about this donation he made. And it's crazy. I mean, we know what he's trying to paint, but like his kids go to this Christian school, this Christian private school in the community. I mean, he really does paint his life to be this, you know, amazing, godly man. And if you just look strictly at his actions, not from a judgmental perspective, but what he says and does is entirely opposite of this image that he, I mean, it's like the first page of the manual that you read this. And if that's something you value, like I do, especially in a company for them to be so outright with it, you're like, wow, that is really amazing. All right. We've all heard about, or maybe even experienced someone like this. People that work really hard to toot their own horn and make sure everyone sees how, quote, godly they are. They usually have something to hide because no one's this perfect. So from the top there, from what I understand now, it is a sole owner. 100% does his own thing. He is terrible. He's just terrible. He's a narcissist. He doesn't communicate at all. He's impulsive. Oh, impulsive. And there's this running joke in the office that you just never know who you're going to get. So be careful what you say. That in and of itself is beyond me. The fact that that's a joke 
the fact that that's what you guys have to laugh about or passively warning me of, I'm just not a fan. Uh, nonetheless, I never see the guy. He's never there. He kind of comes and goes and, you know, that's just him. He's like the man that you'd never want to sleep next to because you don't know what he's going to do or what he's doing when you aren't around. He takes everything personal. One, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to run a company. He says it all the time. He's never wanted a company. He's never wanted to run a company. So in my opinion, it would make sense that you would just receive a check every month or however frequently you choose. And you would have someone acting president, CEO. You would hire someone for that position if you don't want to work. That's how I would do things. Him, no, no, no. He just makes everyone's life hell. But when he, when he is there and his presence is felt, everyone is on edge. What he says goes. And like I said, he's very impulsive. So one day he'll walk in and he'll be super excited and for, oh, the company's going to do this and the company's going to do that. And then two seconds later, you guys are all doing everything terribly wrong. Every single decision from the pens we order to the coffee I brew in the morning, he decides. He makes that decision over absolutely everything. Everything has to touch his desk, which is extremely inconvenient and holds up the entire company because you have to touch everything because he had, quote unquote has trust issues. The problem is he doesn't have trust issues. The problems are with himself. He's very insecure and he does very faulty things, which then he deflects onto other people. Not my issue, <laughs> but that's what it is. Yeah, it's I realize no one there has any real authority. They walk around and talk like they do, but they can't do a single thing without him. He doesn't allow it. It's like he, they have to go ask him, you know, can we do this when it's just... It takes so much time, and with him being so MIA, it's such a waste of time. It's so inefficient, but you can't do anything without him. He's never in the office. He says he's reachable 24-7, but then immediately jokes and says, but, you know, I'm not going to answer you anyway, but you can text me 24-7 or call me 24-7, but I'll never answer. He does not make his presence known in the office. You know, he'll often say, like, you don't see me. I'm not here. I'm just up here to print something real quick. He does not want people to know that he's in the office. His building, his office is at the very end of the building and he parks next to the building in front of only his windows. So you wouldn't know if he was there or not. He has a door to his office only. So he has his own entrance, two separate ones, one in the back and one in the front that only he uses, only he has keys to just him. So he can slip in and out of there without anyone knowing. He never tells anyone or he only will tell certain people certain days. Our controller will need him to do, sign, execute all sorts of documents for the business. And she will not speak to him or see him with for weeks. Our controller will not have contact with the owner for weeks at a time. There was one, like we used to have all staff meetings on a weekly basis and he came to one and was like, yeah, no, this is pointless you are no longer allowed to have staff meetings. It was like my first month that I was like, oh, I really enjoyed that because I got to kind of know everyone. And literally it was like, none, no staff meetings. Those are not useful, not at all. And then even like as far as not wanting people together, it's like Halloween and Kim wants to send out an email to tell everyone, hey, everyone dress up on the Friday before Halloween. But she says, 
you know, I'm a little nervous. I don't think I'm afraid that John's not going to be happy that I send out this email. And this is like my first, you know, I had got hired in August and it's Halloween. Okay. So I'm like, I really did ask, I'm like, why would John be upset that his employees are getting together to have a costume contest? It seems like a lot of fun. I said, we don't go to lunch. No one leaves for lunch. No one breaks for lunch. Um, you know, we haven't done anything as a group. Um, you know, why would he have a problem? And she's like, well, you know, it's just more time away from working. Like, huh? This guy is never here. What does he care? I would think he'd be over the moon, overjoyed that his employees want to get together and have this. But same thing at Christmas time. We wanted to have an employee potluck and it was like, well, I don't know if that's okay. John's going to be upset that he's not the one who thought of it. Not only does John have major control issues, he brings in major drama from his personal life. And I mean major drama. Like, major enough to go on the Maury Povich show. So prior to me arriving and taking on this billing specialist job, there was another lady there. Beautiful lady, whom he now has a baby with. Hmm. Very interesting. They did not date. This is just a baby mama. Baby mama number three, if I'm not mistaken, because he was married twice before this lady. And he just decided that he would take it upon himself to casually have sex with her. And he is very good looking and very charming and loves to flaunt his money. So someone young and naive is going to fall for his charm. And she did. Unfortunately, probably thought she was going to live this luxury life. Did not happen. She's just a baby mama whom he is refusing to pay child support to. <laughs> I do feel bad for her. I do. I do. I feel even worse for the wife that he now has. He is newly married. His Oh, let me back up. So his son with the prior billing specialist is two now. His Him and his wife just celebrated their one year anniversary. See how that overlap happened. When were you dating your wife? Baby mama was still working there, but she was then fired because she slept with the vice president. Oh, the vice president. The vice president was then laid off because... He slept with the baby mama and the president didn't like that very much. So vice president was laid off for about a year, actually, or some version of it, and then brought back. And Jen and I joked that he was only brought back to be this moving object. The president pretty much just tortures him all day. I'm convinced. I'm convinced he brought him back to torture him. Because there would be no other reason. Yep, that's right. The president of the company impregnated the prior billing specialist. Didn't commit to her. Became engaged to another woman somewhere during that time. The vice president, who's married by the way, slept with the billing specialist after she had the baby. And he got fired. And then brought back. And now he's just there to be tortured. Hashtag company culture. The president of the company clearly sees women as objects. And if the tone at the top sets the tone of the company, then women are seen as lesser than men. Both Michelle and Jen tell me that the hierarchy is men at the top making the big salaries, and women are simply the help. These men are terrible. 
these men are terrible. They use their money like no other. They, 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 oh, they use their money to hush people up, to get people fired, to do whatever it is that they need done. Again, not my type of people. The reason I hate this company, because they feel that they're just so much better than everyone else. It's just not okay. It's unacceptable. Money is power. And what better way to exert power over other people than by exploiting them with money? It causes major imbalance within a company. Next time on Toxic Workplace. It's disgusting. They're treated like garbage. It's horrible. It's nuts. We joke all the time, like, is this the Twilight Zone? Is the camera crew going to come out and tell us, hey, you're going to be in a documentary. It's going to be an office series. The women, they go out, they get their lunches and bring them back to them. They drop literally everything that they're doing to assist them. Taking their temperatures to going to the store at 8 o'clock in the morning to get batteries for a keyboard. They hate us now. (laughs) As of today, they hate the two of us. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Do you have a story you'd like to share on the show? Go to ToxicWorkplacePodcast.com and click on Be a Guest. Fill out the submission information and we'll send you an intake form.